Thank you for joining me today. This is episode number eight. My name is Dale Lott Jr. And you are listening to a better pickup line, the podcast. Welcome back to A Better Pickup Line, the podcast. So we ended the last episode right in the middle of discussing how important it is to believe your identity. And if you do not believe your identity, you do not receive the gift that God has for you. And it causes you to live a life that was not designed for you because you aren't receiving what God has for you. We also touched upon making sure that you do not allow yourself to be pulled into this into this vicious cycle of self-help because you cannot be justified by the works of the law. It's only by faith that you're able to obtain to the righteousness of faith. It's about understanding your identity. And the last thing I implored you to do was to stop trying to fix yourself and just be humble. Because the power is not in perfection, but the power is in humility. The power is not in being perfect and being without mistakes and being able to boast of all the wonderful things that you've done. But it's in being an individual who says what God says about them, who thinks what God thinks about them, who goes where God tells them to go, who does what God tells them to do, who is pliable to the leading of God. So it's important that you have this right identity. And so we'll pick up where we left off. When you are unaware of the identity that God has given you, you will try to create your own identity apart from God. That's what's happening in the world today. So many people are trying to create their own way, create their own name, trying to figure out who they are all on their own. And I love personality tests too, but you know, so many people, they're leaning on the personality test to tell them who they are. You're leaning on the horoscopes to tell you who you are. I'm a Leo. I'm a Libra. As if the month that you were born, the dates that you were born determine your purpose and determine your destiny, determine how you act. But I thought, excuse me if I'm wrong, but I thought that it was Jesus who determined our identity. We're Christians or literally Christ is in us. So our identity should be determined by him. See, when you receive Jesus and believe in him, no longer is your identity dependent upon your self-effort. It's dependent upon the finished works of Jesus. You don't have to walk around trying to prove yourself to anyone because Jesus has already justified you. Romans 5, 9 says much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. See, we've been justified by his blood. He shed his blood and that made us righteous. That made us right. That made us deserving of an awesome mate, an awesome spouse. That made us deserving of all of the goodness that God wants to pour out upon us. 
He's justified us. He's cleansed us. So we don't have to worry about our past mistakes. We don't even have to worry about our future mistakes because the blood of Jesus is already taken care of. It. He's cleansed us. We're justified. We're in right standing with God. We have a right to enter into the presence of the Lord. We have a right to make a demand on what God has already said. Just like the prodigal son, when he knew who he was, he says, give me the portion that belongs to me. So it is with you. You understand who you are. Give me the portion that belongs to me. Give me the spouse that belongs to me. Give me the relationship that belongs to me. Give me the life that belongs to me. What you spoke about my life, what you designed for my life, I command it to come to me. I place a demand on it. You shouldn't have given it to me if you didn't want me to have it. And I have the right identity. I know who I am. I am your son. But when he didn't completely believe his identity anymore, or at least he, he allowed the world to cause him to look at his qualifications, he had trouble going back to his father and placing that same demand. Now it's, well, let me be one of your servants so at least I won't be hungry. You got to understand something. You are no longer a sinner bound under a curse of failure. You have been saved by grace. You know, you got people talking about, I'm a sinner saved by grace. No, we're not sinners anymore. I'm the righteousness of God. I have been saved by grace. You are now the righteousness of God and nothing can change that. I don't care what kind of relationships you've been in. I don't care the mistakes that you've made in past relationships. I don't care the mistakes that you've made in your own personal life, whether it be your finances, through legal troubles, through uh, jobs, through anything. Not living up to the expectations that others put on you, the expectation that you ha that you had for yourself. Nothing can change it. Yeah, but man, you know, my last relationship, man, I, I was I was a dog, man. I, I, I treated her bad, man. I mean still doesn't change the fact that you're the righteousness of God and you have a right to receive an awesome spouse and have an awesome relationship. Again, someone tailor-made according to the way that you're wired. I don't care what your past lifestyle was like. I don't care the things that you've walked in, the things that you've dealt with, the things that you're still struggling with. You are the righteousness of God. Matter of fact, the sooner you accept your identity, the quicker some of those struggles all of those struggles will go away. Because as you accept your identity, it shapes your behavior. As you accept your identity, it shapes the results you get in your life. It shapes what you tolerate and put up with and what you don't tolerate and put up with. See, God dealt with all your sin. Well, let me say Jesus. When Jesus died on the cross, he dealt with all your sins, your past sins, your present sins. Your future sins. He dealt with all your weakness. He dealt with all of your flaws. Isaiah 53 verses 4 through 6. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned. Everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Notice 
He took care of so much. He bore our griefs, carried our sorrows, the griefs and the sorrows that you have from the things that have happened in, in your life. He bore it for us. He cared. He, he carried those things for us. So we have healing that comes by his stripes. And it's not just a physical healing, but spiritual and emotional healing. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, the things that we did wrong. It was all laid upon us as we've turned everyone to his own way. We've all gone astray. And all the punishment was laid on Jesus so that we don't have to deal with the punishment of it since the chastisement of our peace was upon him. When we talk about peace, we're talking about wholeness and soundness and prosperity. We're talking about health and we're talking about deliverance. We're talking about uh, rest and harmony and tranquility, the absence of agitation and discord, the absence of war and conflict. We're talking about total well-being, the chastisement of it. So where back in the day, you know, before Jesus died, it could be affected by what they did or didn't do. It could be chastised by what they did or didn't because of what they did or didn't do. But now on this side of the cross, all of the chastisement for our peace was on him. So that's why it says in Colossians 1 verse 20 that he made peace, talking about Jesus, through the blood of his cross. So he has given us peace through the blood of his cross. And there is nothing that we can do to change that. So we have wholeness and soundness now. We have rest and harmony and tranquility. The absence of agitation and discord. The absence of war and conflict. Total well-being. We have prosperity and wholeness because Jesus shed his blood for us. So that means if you're not whole in your relationship, Jesus shed his blood for that. You're not whole because you're single and you desire to be in a relationship with somebody. Jesus shed his blood for that. If you feel like you don't have peace, you don't have rest and you don't have tranquility because of the things that you've done in your past. Jesus shed his blood for that. If you feel like there is sickness in your body that that really affects your ability to have a relationship with someone else. Jesus has shed his blood for that. There is nothing that you can think about that his peace doesn't cover. He has already shed his blood for you. You're like, man, there's so much going on in my life. You know, stress between whether it's your baby mama or, 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 or your baby daddy. Can't believe we still use those terms, but you have to realize that Jesus shed his blood for that. So now you have tranquility. You have rest. You have harmony with your children's father. Harmony with your children's mother. You have harmony in your relationships. Harmony in your life. There's no more agitation, no more discord, no more war, no more conflict because of what Jesus did. And the great thing about it is he did it one time, once and for all. Hebrews 10.10 10, For by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Verse 12, but this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. Verse 14, for by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Verse 17, then he adds their sins and their lawless deeds. I will remember no more. Now, where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. Understand something. It's not a situation where 
you were forgiven today and then you make a mistake tomorrow and you need forgiveness again. No, he is already taking care of it one time. And when he took care of it one time, it took care of everything, past, present, future. That's why he sat down because he has finished. He said on the cross as he was dying, it is finished. It is a done deal. You are now perfected and sanctified forever. What does that word perfect mean? Because you are as perfect on the inside as you're ever going to be. So let's figure out what that word perfect means. That word perfect means mature, whole, of consummate soundness, of the highest degree of soundness, complete in every detail. It means reached end. So you've reached your end and it means I am. So you're mature, you're whole, you're of consummate soundness, you have the highest degree of soundness, you are complete in every detail, you have reached your end and you are I am. God says I am that I am and you are his son, you are his daughter, so that means that you are whoever and whatever you need to be in order to accomplish his will in your life. Whatever the task is, whatever needs to be done, whatever needs to be accomplished, you are that. So you don't have to worry any longer about trying to perfect yourself. You are already good enough to receive what God has set aside for you, including a spouse. That's why 1 Peter 2 and 9 declares you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Now, I want to set aside something now. Don't confuse being perfected with renewing the mind, meaning don't think that, oh, I'm as perfect as I'm ever going to be. I don't need to renew my mind. No, you need to renew your mind with the word of God. That's necessary so that you will believe what God has already said about you. Remember, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So if your thoughts are aren't on the word of God, then you can't produce what God has for you to produce. You can't produce the life that he desires for. That's why he tells us whatever things are good, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, you know, whatever things are lovely, think on these things. In Colossians, he tells us to keep your mind stayed on things that are above and not on things that are on the earth for you died and your life is hidden in Christ. And when Christ appears there, your life will appear with him also. It's about setting your mind on Jesus, setting your mind on the things of God, because now the creative center of your life, your heart, your subconscious mind will begin to produce whatever you focus on the most. So you have to renew your mind so that your mind focuses on the things of God, so that your mind begins to line up with what God's word is said. That's why he always he tells us that, you know, we should... uh talks about beholding his face, the face of Jesus as in a mirror. Why? Because the longer that we look into the mirror, we're beholding his face. A mirror shows you who you are. Now, if we behold his face in the mirror, that's what we're focusing on. And we become what we see. He become, we become his reflection. So you always have to continually meditate upon his word so that you believe the identity he's given you as the righteousness of God. 
See, when you're meditating on his word, it allows you to enter into his rest. Remember, the children of Israel could not enter into his rest because of unbelief, which means that they weren't considering the word of God. And see, when you don't believe the word of God, if you have an evil heart of unbelief, unbelief now is the only thing that can stop what God wills to do for your life. And if you have an evil heart of unbelief, that means you aren't considering his word, his way. And if you aren't considering his word in his way and you're walking in unbelief, that means that you are automatically believing the lie. Because if you don't, it's like the reciprocal. So if you don't believe, if you have unbelief here, you don't believe this. That means you believe what's the opposite. I don't believe that this chair can hold me. So that means I believe that if I sit down in this chair, I'll fall. I can't say I don't believe the chair will hold me. But at the same time, I don't believe that I'll fall. Mm -mm. When you walk in unbelief, you're believing the lie. But if you keep a mind of belief, a mind stayed on God, you can enter into his rest, enter into his promises for you. When you believe that identity, you will have sufficiency. Second Corinthians three, five. Not that we think. Excuse me, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being of ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. And the, when we define that word sufficiency, it means able, worthy, fully supplied. So when you believe your identity, you have sufficiency, you have the ability, the worth and the full supply to find the mate you desire because you recognize that your sufficiency is not of you. Your ability, your worth, your full supply is not of you, but of him. And now I can hear someone saying, well, in that, that scripture, he was talking about being sufficient to be a minister of the gospel. OK, but he also tells us in Second Corinthians nine. That he causes all grace to abound toward us so that we always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. And the Bible says that he who finds a wife finds a good. So I, I believe that that's a good work. I believe that's something fruitful. Male and female, he created them. He says, you're blessed. Be fruitful and multiply. So it takes both of us to do the will of God for our lives. So he's given me a grace. He's given me a sufficiency to be able to accomplish that task. He's given you that same sufficiency to be able to receive the mate that he has for you. Failure to believe your identity and attempts to be deserving by your actions will result in your withdrawal from the free gift of God's grace. Galatians 5 and 4. You have become estranged from Christ. You who attempt to be justified by law, you have fallen from grace. A lot of times, you know, we say a person fell from grace because they fell into sin. But that's not what Galatians tells us falling from grace is. Falling from grace is an attempt to be justified by the law, by your self-effort, by your own works. And the Bible tells us very clearly that those who live by the law are under a curse. So all self-effort is doomed to fail. Now, lastly, as we close out this episode, I want you to remember that when Cara Simmons was given that house, remember the host of break.com moved some of her boxes in. Some of her things were brought into the new house. And it's the same with God in you. Though you were transferred out of darkness and into his marvelous light, he never intended for you to leave the things that make you who you are. First Corinthians 15, 10. 
but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. You are who you are by his grace. He made you for his glory. So I want you to rejoice in that today. He made you for his manifestation and he wants to manifest in you so much of his goodness, including a spouse tailor made according to the way you're wired. Well, that's our show for today. If you have any questions, you can reach out to me through my social media accounts at Dell.jr. And on Instagram, it's Dell.lot. Or you can reach out to me through my blog, abetterpickupline.com, and inbox me your questions there. Now, before we leave, I'm going to ask you to do three things. Number one, subscribe. Whether you're listening through iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, or whatever your favorite pod catcher is, make sure you subscribe. The second thing, help me spread the word. If you're consuming this podcast through Facebook or YouTube, like, share, comment. Make sure you tell somebody who you think this podcast would be a benefit to. The third thing I'm asking you to do is visit DellLot.org. If you'd like to invite me out to your church, your convention, your conference, your organization, whatever your function is, you would like me to come out and speak. You can find all the information on DellLot.org. As well, there's information about my book, In That Land, A Seed Time and Harvest Approach to Finding a Wife. And I'm going to ask you to purchase that today. And with that being said, I want you to have a great day an awesome day and join me next time on a better pickup line the podcast